So, today is the first day of Sivan, and in the Torah, it describes today as the third month. The name Sivan wasn't given to it in the written Torah, and it was only a name that was um, revealed later. It says when the Jewish people came back from Babylonian exile, then they had the names of the months. And this discussion, what exactly changed when they came back from the Babylonian exile? Was it, um, was it revealed then? Did it exist before? But either way, in the written Torah, it doesn't have reference to the word Sivan, just as called the third month. Why is it called the third month? Well, it's the third month since we left Egypt, but you'd think the reason we call it the third month is because what else are you going to call it? You don't have a name for it, so you call it number three because there's no other name for it. Call it the third, the third month because we don't, have, we don't have a name. We don't have a choice. That's you understand the idea of the third month simply. There's no choice. Month number one, month number two, month number three, there's no names. What would you do if you have children and they don't have names? You'd have to call them, uh, you have to give them numbers. So that's the simple reason why this is called the, um, the third month. But you cannot say for Hashem that there's no choice. Hashem made the world. And Hashem could do anything. So you cannot say for Hashem that he didn't have a choice. Because he didn't have a choice, therefore he called it the third month. Everything in Torah is precise. It must be with an intent, with a reason. So you need to understand what's the meaning of month number three. Well, why is it called month number three? What, what, what about it? is connected to the number three. What about Torah is associated with number three? So we actually have in the Talmud a passage which connects Torah to number three. It says, Blessed Hashem who gave us the book of three to the people of three in the month of three on the day of three through three. The Torah is called the Book of Three because there's three parts. The Torah, the Prophets, and the Writings. Torah, Nevi'im, Ksuvim. The Jewish people are called the People of Three because they're Kohen, Levi, Yisrael. It's called the third month. It's the third month since we left Egypt. It's the thir- third day after they were given the mitzvah to separate from their wives. So it's a thir- so, and there's also many other threes associated with Torah. As Rabbi Nisim writes, that there is um, there's many more um, threes associated with, with, with Torah. But the question is, why is three the number associated with Torah? We find a lot of threes associated with Torah, true. But what came first? First, there is the decision of Hashem to make all those things in the number of three. Hashem could have made everything in the number of one. He could have given us a Torah in, in, the, uh, in the first month. But He gave us a Torah specifically in the third month. So what about the Torah is connected to the number three? Why is Torah associated with three? So, says in the Torah, Hashem says, Look, I give you today life and goodness and death and evil. Choose life. That's what it says in the, uh, in the Torah. Look, I give you today life and goodness, death and evil. Choose life. So in order for there to be free will, a good in order for there to be free will, Hashem had to give us, or there, there, is, there is a need 
for there to be two, two roads. Because if there's only one road, there's no, there's no concept of choice. So choice involves there being two roads. So the number one, you could, you could take out everything, no worry, there's plenty of room for you. Okay. In order for there to be free will, there has to be two, two roads. Number, first, there has to be two roads. You have to, have to have a choice between two different things. Otherwise, it's not called a choice. Besides having a choice of two roads, there has to be an advantage in each road. Otherwise, it's not a free choice. In other words, if it's obvious that this road is, is a fantastic road and this road is a lousy road, then it's clear which road you're going to choose. It's not called a choice either. There has to be something good and sweet in each road. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called a choice. So what makes it a choice is that there's an appeal in each road. And that's what King Solomon means when he says, strange lips are sweet in the beginning, and afterwards they are bitter. So uh, the road of death and evil, Hashem created to also have something that feels like it's sweet in order for us to have free choice. So there had to be a road that looks like it's a good road, otherwise it, we would never choose it. So what makes it a, a, a choice is that there's two roads. Okay, so there has to be two roads. And both roads have to look good. And otherwise there's no free choice. But there's a problem. If, if both roads look good, how are we supposed to have, make the right choice? In other words, if there's only one road, there's no free choice. If there are two roads and, none, and, and, and they're both appealing, how are we supposed to make the right choice? So either way you do it, it's not going to work. So that's the idea of the number three. Hashem gave in us, we're the number three. Hashem gave in us this power to choose, to choose um, the truth, to recognize the truth and to choose the truth. And that's the idea of number three. That's why this Torah is associated with number three, the third month. The number three is the ability that God gave a Jew to discover the truth in a place of confusion, in a place where it looks like there's two roads and it looks like there's benefits in each. Hashem gave us the power inside our soul that we should recognize this is the good road and to, and to choose the good road. Nachmanides associates the days of creation with the millennia of history. And he explains how each millennia corresponds to uh, one day of creation. So the third day of creation, the Torah was given in 2448. So the Torah was given in the middle of the third millennia, and therefore was given on the third day of creation. The Torah is associated also with the day three of creation. Why is Torah associated with day three of creation? So on day one of creation, what happens? God creates the, the heaven and earth. God creates light. And then it says, it was evening, it was morning, Yom Echad, one day. The Torah doesn't call it the first day, it calls it day one. When you say first, first means there has to be a second. But day one, go either way. This is day one. On English, day one sounds like, sounds like it's going to be a day, day two. But in the Hebrew, day one means um, it was one day. So it was one day. That's how it translates in English. It was one day. So there may not be a second day. So uh, why did Hashem choose that way of phrasing it? So the Talmud says, because just like God is alone before He created the world, He remains alone after the world is created. He's still alone. 
Although there is a heaven and an earth, all there is is Him. That's day one of creation. Day one of creation is a realm, is a reality. Although there's a heaven and there's an earth and there's light and all these different creatures, everything, it's it's not just the heavens and the earth, but all the hosts of heaven and all the hosts of earth are all created on day one. As Nachmanides explains, that Hashem really created everything on day one and really the rest of creation He brought forth from day one. That everything was already, the, the potential of reality, of all the physical reality, was already created on day one. And the subsequent days of creation were merely to pull them out of the to pull them out of the, um, the mass um, that Hashem had created on day one. That's a different discussion, exactly what happened day one, happened the other days, but suffice it to say that although there are multiple creations day one, it's not, there's no feeling of multiplicity, all the feeling is, is all there is is Him. And then Hashem makes day two. At the end of day two, Hashem doesn't say, like every other day of creation, it was good. He doesn't say it was good. What happens on day two? Why wasn't it good? So there's two opinions about what was wrong with day two, why God didn't say it was good. One opinion is, is that God created hell on day two. He created evil. But he created evil, he didn't say it was good. Another opinion is, God made the rakia, he made the sky, and he caused it to be machlokas. He called it, caused it to be a separation. He caused it to be, the rakia doesn't just mean a sky, it also means a state of separation where there is a higher reality, the, the reality of Hashem, and there's the way we feel reality to be. There's a physical reality. So day one of creation, all you feel is Hashem, although there is a physical reality. And day two, there is a separation. That's why it's called number two. That's why it's called machlokas. That's why it's not good. It's not good because there's something else that feels separate from Hashem. There's a feeling of... of but more than there being a feeling of self and separation, the Torah associates day two of creation specifically with um, with the separation of the waters. The higher waters and the lower waters. What does that mean? On, um, on day one of creation, Hashem created the water, but there was no separation of the higher waters and lower waters. And day two, Hashem made a separation between the two kinds of water. What are these two kinds of water? What do they mean? It says in Tanya that water represents pleasure. And there are two kinds of pleasure. There's pleasure from Torah, pleasure from mitzvahs, and pleasure from godliness. And then there's also pleasure from physical things. So in day two of creation, Hashem made a separation between spiritual pleasure and physical pleasure. That it's possible for a person to indulge and, and, and the physical pleasure and not, be, and not be cognizant of there being a higher and deeper way of living. So that's why it's not good. It's separation. It, 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 it creates a, 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 a realm of reality that, that is enticing, but it's petty and trivial. So, Hashem doesn't call it good. But what's fascinating is, on day three of creation, God says today is a day of double good. Why is it a day of double good? Rashi says, because in addition to what God created on day three, He also finished... What happened on day two? What happened? God gathered the waters together and, made a po- and, and the dry land is revealed. It made it possible for there to be a man. And it's called a double good because he finished the work of the water. But second, if the separation of the water isn't good, how did it all of a sudden become something to celebrate on day three? 
if, if you say something else happened, so then celebrate once. It, the third day was good. What we're, if we're calling Tuesday a day of double good, that means there's something good about day two as well. And the answer is, but day two wasn't good. Day two was created evil. Day two created separation. Why is day two called good? And the answer is, is that Hashem wants there to be a separation. Hashem wants it to be two roads. Hashem wants it to be a state of confusion. Hashem wants us, to, with the power He gave in us, the number three, to, to make the right choice, to choose the right thing, to choose what is good. So, so when we choose the right thing, we reveal the, the value of the separation. Hashem didn't want it just to be a reality where all He is, all there is is Him. Hashem wanted to create a reality where it feels that there's other things out there. And Hashem wants us in that reality of multiplicity and fragmentation to choose the right thing. So when we make that choice on day three, when God gathers the waters together, it makes it possible for man to be there, man to make the right choices, what man now can do is not just to make the right choices and from now on things are good, but man has now fulfilled the intent of why God made the fragmentation and the multiplicity and the confusion in the first place. So God makes day two the purpose of day three. When do you know day two is a good day? Only on day three. When is free choice a good thing? Only when we make the right choices. So that's why day three is called a day of double good. It's good for its own creation, but it's also good because of day two. Because day three is about the power of making the right choices. Just like when God gave us a Torah, God gave us the ability to recognize the truth and to make the right choice. And that's why the Torah was given in the third month. The, the, the gift of the Torah is the ability to uh, be in a place of the world, the world in, in Hasidus is called a public domain. A public domain in, in the laws of Shabbos means a, like a street belongs to many people. A private domain is like a home, belongs to one person. But in Hasidus, a public domain means a place where it feels like there are many forces. A private domain means a place where, it's, it's a, where you're cognizant, it's obvious, all there is is one, one force, Hashem. So Hashem wants us to be in a public domain, a place where it feels like there are many forces, and to reveal in this public domain, in this place where it feels all these different kinds of forces, to reveal that there's not many forces, all there is is Him, to reveal the oneness of Hashem. Yeah. Forces or choices? Forces. It's a, the reason why there are many choices is because there are many forces out there. there it, it seems like there are many forces. You're right, all there is is one, only Hashem. But it feels like there are many forces, there are many powers, there, there's different things to choose from. This, this is attractive because of this, this is attractive because of that. There are many different powers, what should I subscribe to? And the Jew is meant to reveal in the place of the, of the street, in the place of the world, the oneness of Hashem. That's why Nachmanides means, not, the Maimonides rather means, Maimonides says in the laws of Hanukkah, Talmud discusses, if you have, only can light one candle, it's, it's Hanukkah and it's Shabbos. Should you light a Hanukkah candle or should you light a Shabbos candle? And the, Tal- and the, and the Rambam says, Maimonides says, you should light a Shabbos candle. Why? Because what's the purpose of Shabbos candles? Shabbos candles are there. Yeah, come, 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 come next to me. Come next to me. Shabbos candles are, if, if there's no uh, light in the house, so then there's discord and, and, and angst in the house. There's no peace in the house. So the purpose of lighting Shabbos candles is to create peace in the home. So since the uh, Torah, says Maimonides, is the whole purpose of Torah is for peace, 
Therefore, the Maimonides says, what candle should you light? Light the candles of Shabbos, because that's what the whole Torah is about, making peace in the world. Why, Torah is, why is the Torah about peace? What is peace? Peace is when there's two opposing forces, and they're joined together. Torah is about there being a state of fragmentation, a multiplicity, and revealing in that place of confusion, making the right choice, recognizing the truth, and, and feeling and believing in Hashem in a place of darkness, a place of confusion. That's why it's called, um, that's why the Torah is about peace. You can't have, in the realm of one, where there's no multiplicity, there's no peace. In the realm of two, there's no peace. Two is about fragmentation. Number three is about bringing peace in a place of fragmentation, revealing how these two come together. So that's why um, the, the, you light the Shabbos candles because the whole Torah is about peace. So that's one explanation of why the Torah is associated with number three. Now, since today is the first day of Sivan, let's see another deeper explanation and uh, associated with what happened today. What happened today? Remember what happened today? You don't know what happened today. He's modest, doesn't want to say, you know. What did the Jews ha- what did, where did the Jews arrive at today? They arrived at Mount Sinai. So it says they arrived at Mount Sinai and they were like one person with one heart. Until, until they arrived there, they were always arguing. They came to Mount Sinai, they all were, were united, they all were together. Okay, questions like this. We're counting the Omer. Why are we counting the Omer? So Rabbeinu Nisim writes, we're counting the Omer because we're counting the days to receive, to waiting to receive the Torah, just like our forefathers counted the days when they left Egypt. They knew in seven weeks they were going to get the Torah. They couldn't wait to get the Torah. They were yearning to get the Torah. So they were all, they were all excited about the counting the days. So it sounds like they really got along. It sounds like they really were on the same page. They all had the same thing in mind. They all wanted to do the same thing. So how come they only had unity at, at Mount Sinai? Why did they have unity during the whole seven weeks? They're all, they're all interested in the same thing. There was a unity, there was the same feeling. We're going to get the Torah, we're going to get the Torah. And the answer is like this. Let's look at the Omer for a second. In the Omer, there are 49 character traits that we're meant to work on. Although we're supposed to serve Hashem, but there's 49 ways of doing that. And, we're, and each person is different. Each person to rectify his character traits and rectify what's going on in, in himself. And so too, when we talk about waiting for the Torah, what are you waiting for when it comes, when we talk about waiting for the Torah? One person is thinking about the Torah is going to give me this, one person thinks the Torah is going to give me that, the Torah is going to give me um, a better way of praying to Hashem, a better way of, uh, of har- harmony with my children. Everyone has something else in mind. But when they came to Mount Sinai, then they felt the truth of Torah. Not the Torah as it is from the perspective of man, the greatness of Torah as man sees Torah, but then suddenly in Mount Sinai they felt the truth of Torah, which is beyond man's feelings. That's why they're all united by a higher reality, it's beyond them. That's why they became the only them, like one person with one heart. This is a deeper explanation, because the first explanation was about how Torah, the number three, brings unity in between the unholy and the holy. This explains, the second explanation says, it shows how even within holiness itself there could be fragmentation, and the Torah grants this unity and this oneness even in the realm of, of holiness. So that's the power of today, the month of three, giving us the power to make the right choices and to reveal Hashem's truth in our reality and to reunite with each other, like one man with one heart. L'chaim.